0: World Wide Web and its affiliated podcasting stations present Harvey Knight and the paperback theater on the air. Ladies and gentlemen, Major Tom by Harvey Knight. They would find the Earth again. Thomas dreamed of it sometimes, even after everyone told him how silly that was. He'd only ever seen pictures a long time ago, and the holographic projector didn't have any proper images loaded to simulate what it would have been like to live there. You may be dreaming of something, they told him, but wherever it is, it's not Earth, because Thomas didn't even know what it really looked like except for his father's toy bottle globe. Thomas wandered the halls of the station, peering out the viewing windows to the sea of stars that swirled above and below him. Casting a glance around him, Thomas took advantage of the empty corridor to lie down on the metal plating and stare up from his back at the glittery swaths of milky stars among the purplish canvas. He felt the steady movement of the station beneath his body, and for a moment felt a drift in space, the slow fall towards bright celestial bodies. Thomas felt closer to his father. Footsteps resonated through the metal flooring from far off, shuddering around Thomas. He scrambled to his feet and collected his globe and tablet. Allowing himself one last look at the stars, Thomas wondered just how far away the months had taken his father and the exploratory crew. A comet streaked by a ring planet in the distance, traveling thousands of miles in mere minutes. The station was quiet in the mornings, only the occasional footfalls of residents going about their business and the ever-present drone of the engines that carried them on their aimless journey. Thomas hugged his toy globe closer to his body, spinning it idly on its axis. When he had first received it, he had spent hours marveling over its shape and color. The earth was so round and smooth, one must have been able to see for miles and miles through the open air, so different from the crowded corners of the station. Thomas longed for a place where he wasn't constantly running into rails and pillars and tripping over stairs and kiosks. It would be nice even just to run without upsetting anyone. Thomas had studied the colors of the globe, committing the shades to memory so that even with his eyes closed, he could see the faded greens and blues that swam among the gradients of brown. Brown was such a lovely color. It didn't exist aboard the station. The builders had plastered every other conceivable color across the walls and ceilings, and especially in the common areas. Like they were trying to distract from the oppressive gray that closed in around them. Every color for a lie. Every color but brown. In their quarters, Father kept a small bottle displayed proudly. When Thomas was younger, his father would sit with him to show him the bottle, swirling the brown dust inside of it. This, he would say, is earth. But it's so small. Father chuckled. (laughs) It's only a small piece of it. A memory of what we left behind, and now a promise of what we're moving toward. Because you're going to find it. That's right, Father grinned. His eyes sparkled with what Thomas felt, a terrified excitement of the adventure Earth promised. Thomas knew that that was what drove his father into the search, and it's eventually what would take Thomas back to Earth. I'm going to find it. Hey! Thomas spun around toward the voice, eyes searching frantically for the small group. He spotted them on an upper level and darted away in the opposite direction. Thomas focused on keeping his feet about him, careful to take wide berths around anything that might trip him up. He couldn't afford to slow down for even a moment if it meant that the others might catch him. He could make it out of the recycling center in less than two hours now, but he still had to outweigh the trio or they would throw him back in. You're getting faster! A high voice behind him called out panic shot through Thomas's brain, and he dared to glance behind him to see the two figures dashing in his direction. He fought the urge to look about wildly for Jerome, and instead twisted around a corner away from the open spaces that could cut across. Blood pumped deafeningly in his ears as he tried to visualize his escape route when something barreled into him sideways, throwing him to the hard ground. Thomas felt the skin on his knee break with the impact, and blood began to trickle out. His body ached and head spun, but before he could get his bearings, something hard whipped him in the side and a foot turned Thomas onto his back before pinning him to the ground. Control the major loser. Jerome smiled bitterly down at him. Newton and Izzy ran to join him, panting and laughing breathlessly. Did your daddy find earth and save us all yet? Newton sneered. Thomas tried to get up, but Jerome pressed his foot down harder on his chest. My father will find earth. It doesn't matter what you say. Your father's dead. Izzy spat with her trademark venom, the same wave of emotion passing over her face that always did. Just like the rest of them. Just like all of us. You seem to be the only one who doesn't get that. Jerome's foot began squeezing the air from Thomas's lungs as he bent low over the fallen boy. You're nothing, understand? You're worthless trash. Jerome's eyes lit up with hateful glee. And you know what we do with trash? No! Thomas desperately tried to claw away Jerome's foot the toy globe poking out between his fingers. What's this? Jerome practically squealed with delight, prying the globe away from Thomas. He allowed out a deep, hollow laugh as he held up the toy for the other two to see. The model Earth gleamed in the cold light of the corridor, shining with the same hardness that flashed in Newton and Izzy's smiles. Newton gasped. Why didn't you tell us, Tommy? He exclaimed in mock wonder. If we'd known you'd found Earth, this could have all gone so differently. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thank you for saving us. Izzy tipped her head towards Thomas, her eyes wide as she played at gratitude. You might have just earned yourself a kiss. She bared tiny, sharp teeth at him. Jerome roughly pulled Thomas to his feet, looking him straight in the eyes. We should celebrate Thomas, and I think I know just the thing. I'm going to give you what you always wanted. He threw Thomas at Newton and Izzy, who quickly grabbed hold of his arms, pinning them behind his back. We're going to help Thomas's daddy find the earth. The trio strolled down the corridor toward the shuttle bay. The open dock was abandoned and silent, except for the occasional trilling of the controls and sensor, and always the drone of the engines. The old shuttles still lined either side of the bay, except for a few open spaces of the ones that hadn't ever come back. It was towards one of these that the trio guided Thomas. Jerome reached into his collar to pull out a master chip strung onto a white silk ribbon. He waved it over the sensor beside the airlock, the doors parting silently and sliding seamlessly against the bulky door frame. Jerome strode in and set down the globe on the ground just in front of the far door of the airlock, crouching next to it. He smiled back out at Thomas. Aren't you happy, Tommy? You were right all along, but you don't look happy. Thomas didn't take his eyes off the globe, watching it warp as tears began to stream down his face. He wept silently, refusing to answer Jerome. We can fix it, Jerome. Izzy hooked a finger into Thomas's mouth, pulling it to a half smile. Newton followed her lead, completing the grim expression. Isn't that better, Tommy? Thomas only stared. I said Izzy gouged a nail into Thomas's gums until she drew blood, painting his lower lip in red. Isn't that better? Thomas nodded gingerly, Izzy's nail cutting his mouth even more with emotion. As he blinked his tears away, Jerome moved to stand in front of him. Thomas' mouth tasted metallic and he could smell rust, and even though Jerome stood between him and the airlock, all Thomas could see was the tiny earth. He mumbled around the fingers in his lips. What? Jerome slapped away Newton and Izzy's hands, splitting Thomas's lip with emotion. What did you say? Thomas spat blood from his mouth. Just give it back. I won't tell anyone what happened. Just give it back. Jerome's face hardened. Every trace of enjoyment and glee suddenly left the room and the new quiet unsettled Thomas even more than anything else had. Jerome stepped back and Thomas could see something new working behind his eyes. Fine, Jerome motioned to Thomas's captors, let him go. They slowly complied with the order, Izzy forcing herself to pry her fingers away from Thomas's arm. Thomas could feel the tension emanating from them in waves and shuffled on his feet, looking past Jerome to where the globe still sat. It glowed slightly in the light of the airlock, and wobbled from the engine vibrations, beckoning him to relieve it of its precarious position. But Thomas hesitated. Go on, Jerome prompted him, his voice strained. Get it. Thomas steadied his breathing and prepared himself, getting his feet in position and flexing the muscles in his legs. Then he darted as quick as he could into the airlock, scooping the globe off the floor and spinning around back toward the door in a fluid motion. But he wasn't quick enough. Jerome had easily lunged forward to the door control and trapped Thomas inside the airlock. With the master chip, he locked the control panel before Thomas could fumble with it enough to open it. From the other side of the plexiglass, Thomas watched as Jerome's expressionless facade slid away into his bitter smile, Newton and Izzy wearing identical expressions. Izzy's tiny, sharp teeth gnashed with spite at Thomas through the glass, and she picked them with her bloody finger, leaving red-stained and smeared across the white. Wait! Thomas screamed at them through the door, pounding his fist against the glass and metal. The thudding sound echoed in the small chamber until it faded into a ringing in his ears, and only the ringing stayed as he slammed against it over and over, the smiles never fading from the trio's mouths despite his screams and pleads. As Thomas became more hushed in his protests, Jerome's lips formed wordless taunts anew in it as he jeered silently beside him, unswayed by his hoarse cries and frantic behavior. Then Jerome raised a hand to the door controls, and for a moment... Thomas thought they might have believed he'd had enough and were preparing to let him go. But the glint in Jerome's eyes betrayed his steely mirth, just transparent enough for Thomas to really understand what was happening. Thomas spun around again, watching the warning light in the airlock turn red, casting the tiny space in a bloody glow. More lights around the outer door to the airlock began flashing, signals heralding the inevitable, the unavoidable. Even if they wanted to, the trio couldn't do anything anymore. You can't. He pleaded in a raw whisper. He was crying again, but more hysterically now, the tears shuddering through him and throwing his whole body into short, violent convulsions. Thomas still clutched the toy globe in his hand, the small metal frame cutting deep into his flesh at the force of his fingers. He hardly felt the stinging, but the rusty smell flooded his senses afresh, filling his mind with the wrongness of the scent. He was never meant to be a bloody piece of meat in a tin can, He didn't even want to look back now, but his body contorted his head in the direction of the trio through the metal and glass. Their faces twisted in an anxious anticipation as the light pulsed faster and faster until they stayed steady. Thomas watched Jerome's pupils dilate with delight, expanding to take in every possible detail of what he was witnessing, to record in his memory the very real consequence of what he had accomplished. Newton leaned in, perhaps to get a closer look, or maybe he just wanted to be near when it happened. Ezzy had raised a hand, and was waggling her fingers at Thomas, with her teeth still bared to him, What could hardly be called a smile, rather some primitive display of dominance as she waved her hateful goodbye. These were the last faces Thomas saw. A horrible and deafening roar of wind whirled around Thomas, ripping the globe from his hands before scraping him out of the tiny airlock and hurtling him into the inky black void. And suddenly, everything was silent. Gone was the scream of the wind, and the ringing in Thomas's ears had stopped. Even the constant and comforting hum of the station engines was absent for the very first time in Thomas' life. He understood what nothing was. Thomas could feel the tears on his cheeks boiling and freezing all at once, his eyes feeling as if they'd been set aflame while his skin stung with a tight pressure that seemed it would never end, until it began to peel and crack and tear apart. Thomas's vision began to tunnel, but before it faded to black, he saw it in the distance. Earth. It was hanging in the emptiness of space before him, exact in every detail as he had known it to be. The same dull blues and greens floating in a vast sea of infinite browns, etched into the defined shapes he had committed to memory. Thomas fell forever towards the tiny ball, hoping it would draw him in, setting him alight in the last blaze of celebration so that his ashes might rest among the pieces of earth like in father's bottle. Thomas had always hoped that earth would be the last thing he ever saw.